Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the Hello, UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome along here to another flagship show. Uh, I'm back. I didn't have a casual slap on the sofa today, but Murph, how are you, mate? You all right? Sat at your desk a bit better than I am. Yeah, I, I don't feel casual today. It's been an absolute <laughs> mental one. Um, I'm just catching up on life. I've been so far out for so long. Like, and I didn't really realize how sick I was really over the last six months. So I've been trying to like play catch up with my life. Yep. And then work's just so, but like my day job's so busy at the moment. So like it's literally good. crazy right now, which is good. Busy's good for me, but it's, yeah, it's a lot on. Busy so. money, yeah. And it's also been busy with five <laughs> So like, I well, it's been a bit of a week, right? Yeah. It's been a massive, uh, a, a massive week, really. Uh, and what one I'm massively excited about. There's been some yeah. sad moments and some good moments, and we'll get onto that in just a second. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a week, and uh, well, it's been it's, it's been a bit of a, a year, really, with Five Yard. It's been difficult to start, you know. My health. You've been busy with a lot of things and work, and you know you've had season, health yeah. challenges as well. And then you know, Rich leaving Dynasty. Uh, you know, which is off to go do his own venture, which is amazing. And I obviously fully support Rich and yep. thankful for everything he's done. And, and uh, him and Tom are doing an amazing job. But obviously losing him and then, um, yeah, we'll get on to some more bits and pieces. It's just been a bit of a, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a time. But I think uh, I think there's going to be some exciting news that we're going to drop that I'm really excited about. And then I think uh, on top of that, I think we're just going through what I've put is a new frontier. I think it's, uh, I don't want to call it a reboot or a rebrand or anything like that. I just nope. think we're going to go into... Uh, something very exciting and and i can't wait for the new frontier and and seeing what happens so why don't we start there then why don't you give us a bit more insight to that teaser you've just had yes it's quite a bit so let's let's start at the top so you know as as people who have been listening to this pod for quite a while um and if you haven't and you, this is your first pod and and listen there's sometimes new people that join every week right welcome thank you for joining us this is I don't know, episode 700 and 
704, 705. It's something like that. We've dropped a lot, <laughs> a lot of content over over the years. Um, and I'm thankful to everybody who's ever listened, whether you've listened to one or, or all of them. Uh, but if you are new, welcome. You know, um, we're a UK-based fantasy football podcast, um, and we do lots of different podcasts as well. And uh, a while ago, we did a, a college football podcast, which kind of started with, um, you know, Ash and, and Stocks and Tom and and those guys kind yeah. of were doing it, and there's some writers, and then uh, it kind of abruptly ended. Tom, uh, with his day job had to pull away ash had loads of commitments stocks loads of commitments and just didn't really happen so the kind of, it kind of just stopped um and there's there, there's more need for college content i think not just a need from a just enjoyment perspective but also from a fantasy football con- perspective and seeing yeah. those rookies and those young players coming through and i, I think, think college football here something it. isn't tapped into enough in the uk it's because it's so no confusing, big, convoluted from the outside that it's a specialist thing. And I think a load of NFL fans would like to know more. You just look at it and go, yeah, I don't know where to start. And therefore you don't look at it. And I think... No. And I, and I, I think it's a, but it's a growing... It's a growing thing. And I think it's... it's it's People are, are ready for college football. I don't think there's a lot of content in the UK. I think there is some content and the content that does go out is very good. Uh, Full 10 Yards College did yep. and still do. Lee Wakefield does an amazing job in breaking down. Um, you know, we've had loads of people, Ollie Hodgkinson of uh, Ollie, yep. Pro Football Network. You know, he does a phenomenal job in his breakdown of rookies and we've had him on the show and we'll, we'll get him back for sure and we'll probably tap him up to, to come on in the next couple of weeks um, to talk a little bit. And I think there's, you know, there's some excellent college writers out there in the UK. Ben Isaacs is another one, by the way, um, especially for what he does on that game's podcast. But, you know, I think for us, it's, it's been a missing niche. We we had people listening. It was a decent um, content piece that we had our unique audience there for people who perhaps didn't play much fancy football but wanted that college. So the good news is it's coming back. We're going to have a new face uh, heading it up. It's a familiar face to some of you in the UK fantasy football uh, community. So uh, Neil Simmons, uh, a.k.a. Simo, who runs British uh, Fantasy Football League. He runs a league of about 128 GMs. Uh, I think it is now. Uh, You and I both are in it. Um, You know, some of us are in a higher division than others. Um, Some of us are the most successful organization of the 128. Yeah, but, you know, you're playing a kiddie league. so Because you you joined first. No prizes for that. Not just joined first, and recruited half the league. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you, you, did, uh, you did. I don't think we spoke much at the time, but yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> recruited yeah. half the league. I, you know, anyway, that's, that's besides the point. But anyway, Simo <laughs> is Simo is joining us, um, and he's going to head up college. He's going to bring in some, uh, some content creators, and they're going to do a pod. So the pod's going to yeah. come back in a few weeks. Neil's actually recovering from is, uh, knee so, yeah. surgery. So uh, first of all, uh, get well soon, buddy. He had that yesterday. The knee surgery was a success. Um, so I know you're watching, and I know that you are uh, probably just a little bit out of it right now. But so <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be a few weeks. Stacey's trying to defend. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks, Stacey. Stacey, come on, mate. <laughs> Listen, he doesn't need defending. He's a big boy. He can look after himself <laughs> in his in his kiddie league. Um, yeah, so listen, you know, great, great news about Simo. Really excited to see what he's going to do. It's going to be a few weeks, but we are going to reboot it. Um, so be up and running before the draft uh, for sure. Here he is. <laughs> uh, he's here. Um, so, yeah, he's really excited to have Simo on board and, and I'll let him in his due course announce his plans 
and what he's going yeah. to be doing there. So first of all, bringing college back is uh, incredibly exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do through the season. And yes, okay, it's a bit of a strange time with the draft coming. It's a lot of focus now and you know, they'll add some context to some of those draft players. But really, I think looking ahead to 2023-24, who are the big players? You know, we're hearing Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be obviously a big name to watch next year. Um, And there's going to be some good quarterbacks to look at next year as well. So seeing those guys uh, produce that content is going to be great. And it's a good time to introduce it as there is a bit of a focus on the college game right now with the draft. Next change. Yeah, it's a welcome Yeah, Get well uh, soon. Yeah, rest up, mate, um, and feel better. And then um, we did have some sad news this week in the family that uh, you might have seen if you follow um, Liam um, on Twitter, uh, host of the Dynasty uh, podcast. Uh, he's decided to make a, a, a make a step away from content creation altogether. He's just kind of, um, you know, lost. You know, content creation's hard. You know, I've, it's a I've been of love, doing, right. Is a labor of love. You don't get paid. There's no money in this uh, for people like us. You know, I don't take a dime. You don't take a dime. You know, we we do this for passion, for love. And there's some hard days. And when you grind for as long as some of us have, and Liam in particular, you know, it, it can get to a point where you kind of lose a little bit of passion for it. And and he's made that decision to um to step away for a bit, which I. 100% believe if, if you know that's the right decision there's no point plowing on if you're not feeling it and to make a decision on what, what's going on and he's you know he's made a lot of life changes recently for the for the positive um and I'm not going to share those because that's down to him but it's not that he's not in a good place in his life it's just he's made a decision that there's that's, other things going on and, you've got to want to sit and write you've got to want to sit and come on here and if, if that yeah. one isn't there right now and Liam's a, a great guy. Um, yeah. He's very good at what he does. And I, I hope he gets it back if that's what he chooses to do. Yeah. Um, but having a break from time to time is not a bad thing. And I think it's hard, you know, and I, I've, been, I've been in Liam's seat, right, where you lose your podcast host, right? And I'm very lucky that you stepped in when I lost stocks um, because I think it's hard when you're on your own and you're trying to to think about what you want to do and who you're going to get to chip in and help and, and, and share that. And if it's just you, it's a bit of an uphill struggle at times and it is hard. And especially if you haven't got that co-host to bounce ideas of and, and do things with. So, you know, Liam's made that decision and that's, you know, uh, the door's always open for Liam. He's always welcome to come back and there, there wasn't anything, you know, he dropped me a message last week and, and it's just the way it's happened. And I wish Liam all the best. And I, I know at some point he will come back to this because he's too good not to, yeah. um, but he's taking his time to do what he wants to do, what he needs to do and want to do. So wish Liam really well. And I'm gutted that he, uh, you know, he's made that decision, but he, he has, and I fully support it and we're here to help. And we remain good friends and look forward to seeing him at the UK FFC in, in July. Um, but that does mean that we need, uh, a, a dynasty host, right? Um, so we need someone to, yep. to head up because it is a popular time of year. Um, and if you're really eagle-eyed this week, you would have seen that someone in particular has changed their um, dynasty or their handle on uh, <laughs> on Twitter and therefore on this screen. So it's a great pleasure for me to announce that Dan is going to be heading up the dynasty team um, starting from next week. So yep. first of all, from me, a massive congratulations this was i mean 
you know, we had conversations. We talk a lot anyway, but we had conversations yep. through the week, and it just felt right immediately. And um, you know, as soon as you put your name forward, you're someone who I've potted with for the last eighteen or so months, but someone I've known for longer than that as well. And I know you're yep. going to do a phenomenal job. Um, Thank you, mate. I'm really excited to see what what you produce, Me too. and uh, I can't wait to see what happens. So, tell us a little bit about you, you know the the plan that is going to be the dynasty show moving forward uh, from from next week. Yeah, I just figured that having a family, two young kids, a team of staff, a job where I work six days wasn't enough to take on. So <laughs> let's chuck some more into it and see how that pans out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Somebody bring me to my senses quickly. <laughs> no, I don't know. Look, I, I love the dynasty side of it. I love, I love redraft football, but I also like the longevity of a dynasty. I like the payback for things that come off. I like the, heck, I'm a salesman by trade. I have been for 20 years. I like the negotiating of a trade. I like the, mm. the value optimization and seeing what you can get and what you don't. And you can see things different ways. A trade that's bad now might be great in three years. And it's, it's about all different tweaks and twerks. And it just adds a whole other level of things to analyze into, it, I guess. So the opportunity was there. I spoke to yourself, said, hey, I'd like to take it on. But I wanted some help, as you've just said, doing it on your own. And, and, and Liam has struggled is hard. So mm. um, for those of you that know, and she's been on here before, I've reached out to Hannah Rowland. Uh, and Hannah Rowland will be joining me on the dynasty pod. So we're going to be have myself and Hannah. Um, Hannah's a little busy right now with her outside work. So I think she's going to pop on from May. So I've got to fudge it until May, let's say. <laughs> um, the busiest time of the year, rookie NFL draft season, you know, we'll figure something out, I'm sure. Um, but a team of writers are there. I'll probably look to add a writer or two more so we can keep the content coming on all forms. But to copy what Rich and Liam created i think feels a little foolhardy to try and replicate mm. so we're gonna have a look we're gonna start from the beginning i'd like to get some people on board that are new to it as well whether it be content creation or dynasty and kind of all go on this journey together and learn a little bit together and we're gonna strip it right back back to basics um get out maybe less content than what people are familiar with but i want to keep the quality there importantly uh and keep that going so I'm excited. It's a new challenge. I've got visions for it. Me and Hannah and, and Andy, one of the writers, sit down and talk and as to what we want to achieve and where we want to go. So, yeah, as of next Tuesday, I'll, um, I won't be here from next week. This will be my last flagship show uh-huh. as a host until Murph bothers to invite me as a guest, I guess. Well, you're, you're always welcome back anytime you want to get. I'll just be logging in on a Monday night now. Right, I was going to say, oh. if you have it, <laughs> you, you're always welcome back anytime. You, it gives me out putting the kids to bed on a Monday, so I love it. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, mate, you've got an open-ended invitation. Anytime you want to come back, awesome. it's, it's there, right? So, so uh, no, yeah, this from eight. We'll be going live as everyone's used to with the dynasty show. So no show tomorrow. And there was no show nope. last week. Um, nope. Liam sort of let us know last week that it's yep. just, you know, we'd run his course for him. Um, so it does mean that there's no more, there's no show this week. That's fine. But from next week, there will be a show. Uh, back months, to, back to, that's it. So as New we gear up to the, and um, yeah, oh, look, Hannah's, Hannah's here. Well. Okay, Hannah, that. you're meant to be working. Oh. You tell me you can't pod, but you can sit there and listen to it. <laughs> it's good to have you uh, on board, Hannah, as well. So uh, really it's awesome. exciting. It's going to be a strong team. Um, looking forward to seeing you know, further changes that you announce. And, and again, anybody who's interested in writing content, reach out reach to Dan out. on his new handle and, um, and, and give that a, give that a check out and make sure. Or that, Hannah. Uh, or Hannah. 
reach out yeah. to Anna as well and uh, you know uh, have a chat with them and make sure that everything's good there. So new frontiers. So we've got new college pod, uh, re you know a, a re-engineered dynasty uh, show with new heads, um, and it does mean that there's a vacancy. Uh, Rob's going to be busy doing all our intro graphics, isn't he? Eh? Oh, no, well, and Lee as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be redone. So. I have to get that sorted. Um, it does mean that, yeah, as you said, you, you're leaving the flagship, which, you know, is, is bittersweet for me. Um, obviously, we've, me we've known each other for a long, you know, a long time. And, you know, we've been podding for 18 months and you build a special relationship with someone. And, um, you know, for me, I don't like change. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's tough because, you know, for me, you know, I had stocks and then I lost stocks and then I've got you. And you're just getting yeah, familiar. Just get, you know, a break that stride, you know. And, and, I, yeah. and the problem is, I need someone who keeps me in check because otherwise I just go on and on. That's what I said to Which you the, easy. the week. It's isn't not easy. easy. We spoke about I, that. No, I've got better at it over the time. No, you it's not have. easy. <laughs> People, unfortunately, sometimes just let me go and they're like, it's Murph. Okay, it's fine. He's the big, uh, he's a big powerhouse. So he's like, we just let him talk. And it's not uh, necessarily great audio. So, um, yeah, uh, basically, there's therefore going to be a change to the flagship show as a result of all these changes. Um, first thing is to say that there will be a change in day at some point. So the next few weeks, I'm going to roll with some guests. Um, I'm going to have to call in some friends of mine who are going to roll with me. Um, I know somebody who's now free on a Monday night. <laughs> well, you can come back anytime. You can come and chip and help me out. Um, but yeah, we're going to have some guests on uh, as we we get into draft month and start yep. analyzing a bit more. And uh, I've, so, looking forward to, to that. Uh, but I do have a host, um, a long term solution in, in mind, and we we got to iron out the day. The so we're going to move. Yeah, the long term solution. So we do have uh, a new host coming in, and. Um, yeah, we'll choose a day and we're going to get it sorted by sort of April. But uh, I'm pleased to announce that, uh, as I said, I don't like change and I've gone through two podcast <laughs> hosts and I'm not breaking in a third. You see the common denominator here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm not breaking in a third. So I'm pleased to announce that Stocks <laughs> is coming back to the Five Year Rush show. Um, it, it's been a long, long time going. Now, if you haven't heard Stocks on the show, go listen to our super bowl show him and i do the opening segment of that and um you know he'll keep stocks, you in check stocks night yeah he won't take any crap <laughs> from me so uh stocks night podded for the better part of four plus years um yep. the first four years of this show was me and him it was actually look five yard was his it was his podcast it wasn't yep. mine uh he started <laughs> the podcast with his mate his mate left yep. I stepped in and then basically, <laughs> um, you know, became the loudmouth of the show and then took it on after Stocks left. And Stocks has always been in the background. He's always been contributing yeah. bits and pieces and the college show, uh, editing, all sorts of things. But he's come back and I'm really excited. So as much I'm as psyched, it's really yeah. sad to lose you, Dan, it feels right to have him back and... You He's know, the only me, one that could like, replace me. Let's face it. He was the only one that could replace you because you replaced him. So you know, as I said, I'm not, I'm not breaking a third podcast host in. That's it now. Um, <laughs> I don't know who I this think, is. I think this is stocks. I think, it's, uh, yeah, it's got to be. So um, I hope so. If it's not, I'll be embarrassed. Um, but yeah, so stocks has come back. I can't wait for him to come back and and do this. So um, yeah, be a few I weeks. We're going to wind out the details and I'll share them when he's back. 
So, yeah, appreciate we've taken up nearly 20 minutes to go through all these changes. It's quite a lot, obviously, of change for us, but it all positive news, obviously, with the exception of Liam leaving, uh, everything else is really positive. So new college, uh, college pod coming in the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, it was stocks. yeah. <laughs> so, um, New college podcast. He's sitting out a host the show. <laughs> learning it. He'll relearn the ropes. Listen, no, he doesn't. He's been pulling the strings <laughs> from behind the behind the curtain for years, right? Um, so having having stocks back, you moving the dynasty, Hannah joining uh, the dynasty team. Everything's just it feels great. It all fell into place. Yep. Amazingly, things happen for a reason, my man. All different conversations were all kind of going parallel yep. in different motions at the same time and they all kind of slotted in so uh really pleased to announce all the new lineup uh please give everybody um a follow on the um on the twitter machine and um someone oh. else saying great so that's stuff. not stocks <laughs> no because he doesn't use himself in the third person so yeah lots of changes reach out to everybody say hello if you want to write content uh get, get in touch with us so Please yeah, I appreciate that. That's taking a bit of time, but as, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's obviously a massive change for us, and it's a massive change for everything we're doing. But it's going to be really seems exciting. pretty well received. Yeah, it does, and I'm I'm excited for uh, for what we bring in the next. So bear with us. The next couple of weeks might be a little bit rocky as people are sort of transitioning in and coming in and, and learning the tech. But we are going to continue through, and as we get through draft season and into the new season, uh, it's exciting times. I think before we get into the main topic we're going to talk about today, there has obviously yep. been a big piece of NFL news that has dropped today that Lamar Jackson has requested a trade. Um, yep. So he has requested the trade. Doesn't seem to be too much of a surprise that he's requested the trade. He's obviously yep. not getting the money that he's expecting from uh, the Ravens. So he's I also be surprised to see it being a bargaining tool. I think I, I think it's a bit of both. I think. He, Oh, I think he would. I think he would stay for the right offer. I don't I think, think this is a terminal thing. Nope. I just think they're too far apart. And I think he's saying, nope. if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to meet my price, then I am going to go. I want to go. And I think nope. that's only fair. Um, where he goes, it's hard to see. You, the immediate sort of interest you would say would be the Colts. Washington would be the two that you would say probably in the driving seat here. Um, I wouldn't rule out Tampa if they can do something this year where it's Funny, cheap. Yeah. I think it, I, I think it's unlikely. I wouldn't sit here and say that they're like hot on the press. There's got to be 27 teams interested in Lamar Jackson on the open market. Former MVP, right? So I yeah. think there's got to be most teams, unless you're sitting there as unless you're sitting there as there, as you say, probably half a dozen teams. Um, I think you've got to be looking at this. You know, it wouldn't shock me if Carolina got into this. I know they got the one pick. You know, that. it would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't shock me if if there were a lot of teams in here that were looking to to get involved in this sweepstakes. So I think this is a story it's going to rumble on. It wouldn't shock me that you might see this resolved by the draft, maybe even draft night. I imagine the opening night of the, the draft. Jackson, Jackson for the one on. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't like to see it because it'd be in our division. But on the flip side, the draft. I mean, I remember. When, I mean, we all remember last year AJ Brown getting traded. Yes. Like, Last last year's draft opening night was incredible because you had Marcus Brown traded, you had yeah. uh, you know AJ Brown traded, and then the AJ Brown contract, the huge contract he got that yeah, night. Yeah. Like you had all these pieces dropping, you know, with Traylon Burks getting drafted, the wide receivers going. Like you just add that little bit of extra bite to to draft night that you don't you don't normally get. Normally, it's when a was the last time the one hundred and one was traded on the night? I can't ever recall it. 
the last time, so I can tell you this: the last time one on one was traded was on the when, night. Yeah, was yep. when the Colts, uh, sorry, the Chargers drafted Eli Manning. So okay. they drafted Eli Manning. The Giants took Philip Rivers, and then they traded because he refused to play. Correct. Hmm. That was the last time the one hundred and one was traded on the night. But so not obviously on the, the pick. No, so the pick was made. Yes, but the talk. So you know, I've read a lot about yeah. the Manning and the trade. So this, the, the talks were going on as the picks were being made. So like, obviously, yes, too much time. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't agreed when the we're close here the, we'll take your guy that buys us 20 more minutes to have this discussion a bit further yeah right? i mean yeah. What, what happened was the charges the charges called eli's bluff and they picked yeah. him and then eli was like no and then they talked until and then they basically the giant said okay who do you want and yeah. if we were to work out a deal and they said well we'll take rivers and then okay well that's who we were thinking yeah. anyway as a backup so uh, we'll take rivers uh and then funny enough they both missed ben who was the best quarterback in the job. <laughs> But there you go. Um, there you go. So, yeah, so could happen on night, could happen before. Be inter- I think there's a few interesting scenarios with Lamar. So yep. we'll keep that one posted. Personally, obviously, I'm, I'm, I, I'd am i love him to come to Tampa. I think it could be a really good fit. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would like yeah. to see that. Um, if not, Carl Trask season, maybe let's go. Um, but, yeah, just thought we'd share that one piece of news. Uh, really quite free agency this year. Um, we talked about this last we week. Did. It's yep. not really been... It's not been, you know, Bobby Wagner back to the Seahawks. That feels kind like of that. right. Yeah, not bad money, but there hasn't been really any big blockbuster moves. There's not really Still many a few big out names. There. names. Yeah, there's a few names out there. there. Um, Finette's still about. Well, these guys yeah. can do jobs still on rosters, but I mean, I don't, I don't want the Bucks to sign Kareem Hunt. But I have no, this just... weird feeling in the back of my head that, that that's something that's going to happen. Um, but we'll see what happens there. So, g- going to be some time. It, there's definitely the running back market went flat. The wide receiver market seems to have gone quite flat as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting to see what happens with the talents coming through with the draft in just a few weeks' time. So, um, as you say, first of April round the corner, then we're into draft season. So, very, very exciting times. So, with that in mind, I think it's right. really important that we look at 2022, right? And we, I wanted to as our last show because it just seems to feel right to have a discussion around some takeaways right yep. of 2022 and i mean higher level themes so what are some things that happened in 2022 that means that we should be looking out for in 2023 in terms of strategy changes uh the way that we approach drafts the way that we approach the yep. thinking of of what redraft is going to be in 2023 because I think we've seen this trend over the last couple of years with COVID and then post-COVID. And then, you know, people keep saying, oh, there's just there's more injuries. And you can say that, you know, one time. It probably is. Two isn't. times. I think there is a le- an element of it. But I think as well, it's it's when it happens over two, three years, it's no longer just it becomes an anomaly. It's a, it's a trend, right? And then you have yep, to think about how you address that. Um yeah, so we'll go from he there. Lost himself. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You better miss. Um, you got it. Yeah, sorry. Just yeah. Unfortunately, I forgot to mute uh, a different channel. I'm in, and so something popped up. That's so fine. yeah, apologies. Bad so, yeah, I mean, yeah. this all came about. We were talking, wasn't we, about we were talking about first round drafts this year, right? Redraft one QB leagues and how it will differ 
from last year, effectively. Mm. And I think, I think that Stacey's picked up on something we're going to mention. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think, yeah, I think, I think the, the first round is going to be interesting. And the way I'd caveat this, right, is this. I think that let's caveat the conversation of there's two types of leagues. There's the types of leagues that you'll play in in five yard rush leagues, very active leagues with very active players, charity tournaments with active players, people in the home community, leagues. People. Right. Well, so I think that, you know, there's a distinction here between people that you play with that are obsessed with fantasy football, like us, who are complete degenerates, and then people who are more casual players, like your home leagues, like people like mm-hmm. your friends who perhaps don't listen to this podcast or other podcasts in as much volume as yep. perhaps you do. Um, and so I think some of the things we'll talk about with changes, I would say I'd caveat that and say I think they're more likely to change in very active leagues with fantasy degenerates than they are to change with uh, players who are more sort of average level players who sort of are more casual players because I just think it will take probably two to three years for the casual players to catch up because they tend to play how they always play. Over the last two or three years, especially more so here in the UK playing with British players because the level of content and the quality of content across the board, not just at Fiveyard, yeah. has improved mark remarkably, right? Yeah. So your casual fan here, your casual NFL fan that may have played in one, two, three leagues, didn't really know a lot of people. With COVID, the world become incredibly smaller. Content become yeah. a lot more available. Everyone played in more leagues and therefore spent more time on it, fell in love with it. And I think therefore your average demographic fantasy fan here in the UK has improved in terms of their ability of fantasy and their knowledge. Yeah, I, I would I'd also say that we are probably good as a community, right? So I talk about oh, know, a few bad eggs. When, yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say that, you know, when when Stocks and I got into this six six ish years ago, you know, there were a few content creators and there were a few people who were playing fantasy and there were a few leagues. Um, and I always said from day one, right? And if you can go back and listen, you shouldn't, but you can. Um, I've always story. said that my my mission was to get rid of people playing on random NFL.com leagues. Like that for me was the number one driver of doing fantasy football content was there shouldn't be a need for a person in the UK to have to play fantasy football, not have enough people they know to play fantasy football and have to go into a really crappy random NFL.com league. I started everyone that checked out. Yeah, and and most of us probably did, right? And I think, for me, that has to die. And I think now, and, you know, I can't take that much credit, but people jumped on that bandwagon, Jack Humphrey, and then, you know, people like yourself, Rich Cooling, Tom, and all the, and, you know, the guys at Fantasy Wildcard, and... Lots of other content creators have, have come out and they and Lewis Venus and, and, and loads of people create leagues to uh, and Simo and so I could keep going, I'm gonna stop. Yeah. Um and loads of people who haven't shouted you, just apologies, um, who create leagues purely for the entertainment of other people, right? And purely to make sure that everyone has a league that they can play in and have fun and know people, and then that's allowed our community here in the UK to grow. Yep. And we're so lucky that we have so many people who are so selfless to put in the hours and the time and the dedication to create really fun, ingenious, different, 
interesting leagues like Matt Cullen does his salary cap leagues and, yep. and things like that. So, that are just yep. It was just very, very different. And like those sorts of concept leagues with more strategy, more game. And I think where we are good in the UK, probably better than anywhere in the world, is because of the level of dedication you've got to have to be a fan. Um, plus the fact that we all just have complete degenerates and we all get on quite well in, in silo. In the main, yep. Yeah, we end up creating a lot of leagues and playing a lot of leagues and, and having a lot of fun. And and that creates this fantastic community. And that's where the UK FFCC is bringing that community together even further. Because it means people aim. can come yeah. and meet live, right? Yep. Rather than interacting in, 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 on screens and on WhatsApps and whatever. So this is why a caveat, this goes all the way back with the wealth topic, to these, yes. <laughs> the people in the, our community that play in our community leagues, I think you're going to see a significant sea change in the first round in your home leagues. I don't think that's going to be. And I think that sea change is going to be around the running, amount of running backs that will be drafted in, in round one. Now, you and I disagree slightly here, which is rare because hmm. you and I don't disagree all that often um, no. on the amount of players, the amount of running backs should be drafted in round one. Um, yeah, and we're talking one QB redraft. One QB redraft, right? So forget your yep, super flex, super flex obviously format. the whole yep. thing. Yeah, so you know, PPR. Um, I I would I would caveat again. Standard, I would draft more because of the way that the scoring is. But I yes, would say correct. half PPR or full PPR. PPR I would yep. I would be dropping the number of RBs that are acceptable to draft in round one. Agreed. So let's start with you. Hold on, let's just also add this. Predominantly, last four or five years, how would you start a draft? Any draft, pretty much. Uh, I, I would have started probably running back, running back, unless there was an elite tier wide receiver. And I've talked about yep. this in the book from the strategy that um, yep. in the books, if you read the books um, that I've written, that yep. the strategy and the numbers, because of position scarcity at the running back position, it always seemed to be opportune to take um, running back, running yep. back, or yep. running back, wide receiver, running back. But in those first three rounds to take at least two running backs. You need because... your two starters locked in. Right. Yep. And Me too. And what we are seeing now over time, especially over the last two years, and especially even particularly last season, is the amount of game changes at the position are decreasing. Yep. So there aren't that many game changes at the position that there used to be. So you have a very elite tier, you have another tier, and then you have a bunch of dudes. Um, and I'm being really casual in the way I say that, by the way. But effectively... For me, there isn't that many difference makers at the position. Whereas before, you had ten guys, eleven guys, twelve guys who who yep. were real separators. You could go position. running back, running back, and have two bell cow backs, right? And that's just not the case anymore. We're seeing with Agreed. the usage stat, we're seeing with the fact that more teams going to a community based uh, scenario, third down backs, etc. That we're not seeing the touch rates of the elite players that we were seeing two years, three years, four years ago. And that's, yes. I think, is what's really key is if you're not seeing those those rates, then what are we doing? Like, why is the case? And, you know, for me, I, like, I'm going to throw this question back to you. How many people do you, how many running backs do you feel are worthy of the, of being in the first round right now? <laughs> think when I said to you earlier, five, potentially, okay. in a redraft. So, I think CMC, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, probably stand yeah. out at the minute. 
although Jonathan Taylor I'm not a huge fan of personally. Uh, I think if you're at the late end and you want to go with running back because of scarcity, I think you'll probably get away with Derrick Henry. Still being on there just because of the QB situation. And Saquon Barkley was my other one. Sorry, I missed him. I think Saquon Barkley falls into comes into the late first. He's not there now in terms of ADP, but I think he will be ahead of someone like Dalvin Cook, who is currently ADP 12. Who's taking Dalvin Cook at 12? <laughs> Who's taking Darren Cook at 12? Really? Are we really in yeah. that? I've got Sleeper's ADP up for one QB league currently. No. McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Jefferson Chase, Henry at six. So that's still four Who's of got the Henry? top six. Four of the top six are running backs. <laughs> this is where casual players influence ADP because there's a lot of them. Oh, no, no, no. Right. For me, there's three. <laughs> There's three running backs who genuinely and they're one, two, deserve, three, and they shouldn't be one, two, three. But but fine. Nope, I agree with that as well. Yep, right. But you so can I, see why they're first. I, I can make the argument for 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 Eckler, for for McCaffrey, yep. and uh, for Jonathan Taylor. I get, I can make the argument for those three. I wouldn't have Jonathan Taylor anywhere near three. He would be somewhere in the back end of the first round for me. But whatever, fine. Yep, eight to ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. Six, I don't hate it at six or seven, but yeah. I'm not. I don't think I'm going Jonathan Taylor higher than six. I really oh. don't think I am. I, th- I think for me, Jefferson, uh, De- Jefferson Chase have to be well above them. The the other two running backs, um, and then I think you know you've got to look at, at players like AJ Brown's only going to get better. Um, I think you've got to look at, at him up there, Tyreek Hill. AJ Brown is currently 16 on the ADP. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, <laughs> ridiculous. He's a first-round player. Like, what are we talking about? And Devontae Adams man- is half that. Devontae Adams is eight. Can, can we just say that, that AJ Brown last year was the wide receiver six in PPI. He got nearly 300 points. And yep. it was his first year with a new quarterback on a new team. So he's only going to get better. The running quarterback of all players. Exactly that. <laughs> like, it's only going to get better for AJ yep. Brown. Like, that, that's that's... No, I can go totally. AJ Brown is a top five wide receiver. Fine if you got him at six. Yep. I can't. I can't quibble that. Like I can't quibble you getting. Yep. I can't see him being much. I can't get him below six. There's no Oops. chance. I'm quite happy to take him at. at I, for me, I'm looking at him. I, I'd make the argument right now. I could take him above Tyreek and Devontae Adams. Oh, definitely, and Diggs. A hundred percent above Diggs. Just just because I think Diggs is going to get some additional competition, but but he's and certainly about if you're right about Cup's injury. Him and A right. Brown and Cup are the coin toss for me at the minute. Right, yeah. So I think for me that that's kind of where you are with this. I think you know. But by the by, um, so this is what I mean. We're talking about these this elite talent, and so there's a couple of reasons why I, I want to talk about like the decline of running backs. This is going to be a chapter in in the new book, right? So. When I'm looking at I'm looking at data from like the first half of seasons, and I'm going to get this out for the whole season, right? But the peak running back era was 2018, 2019. Um, 2020 was a dip because of COVID, and we had a lot of players out with COVID protocols, etc. So it's yeah. a bit of an anomaly year. Uh, and then 2021, right? So in in those in those years, so typically. If we escape 2015, which was a bit of an outlier year where there was a bit of a peak that shouldn't be, 2012 to 2017, sort of around about the average sort of points um, in the first half of the season, running backs were averaging, well, this is including that peak year, 
was around it was 147 points in PPR, right? So 147 points for the first half of the season. In 2018, that jumps massively to 176. 2019, it jumps to 181 points. Uh, 2020 down year, just short of 150 points, 147.6 points. Because McCaffrey coming to the league in 17. That's why. Well, there, you, but you had this influx of you had him, Zeke. Yep. Um, Henry got into gear. Kamara, yep. all these Eckler, running backs, all these elite, Eckler, yeah, so yep. all these players, Fournette, all these elite players, all these elite running backs came into their own, yep. and the coaches went into this phase of allowing the bell cows. They were more productive because yep. they'd gone away for so many years. And th- th- what these trends are telling you here, these numbers I'm giving you, the reason I give them is 2012 to 2017 was more of a committee back, right? People used them by committee. Yep. Running backs weren't worth crap you know no one was getting paid Gurley was the standout but there wasn't really that many Devonta Freeman was good in parts he had some good yeah. years Lamar Miller there was a few but there weren't that many sort of standout running backs and you had this influx of two or three classes of elite running backs coming in who carried the load but also became the receiving backs which also and probably married up change. with the downtime as QBs as well Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Correct. So you had this sort of down period of QBs. So they had to create concepts that allowed QBs to get the ball into the hands of running backs for more explosive plays. And then the league has caught up again. So what the league has done now is the league has, has caught up to defending running backs as pass catchers. So you're starting to see, um, you know, yards per carry, yards per catch, yards after contact are starting to all decline as a, as a mean across the league because defences are getting better at defending running backs. So you're seeing less production at the running back position. So what does that mean? More production out into the slot. You're seeing people like Jefferson Cup. And the are... evolution of the running quarterback. Right. And Barring Michael Vick until recent times, give me a quarterback that could run the ball consistently in fantasy terms. Yeah, there were points. a few. Dante Culpepper did yeah. it every now and again. There were a few, but, but there were sprinkling. But this right? is have... coaching. Right. Offense meeting coaching defense. You've sussed that. Let's adjust. And here we are now. Athletically, the players are able to do it. So they're, they're changing tact. And the coaching, the scheme means, yeah, it's exactly that. So yeah. things have changed. So what's happened is you've had this peak period between 2018 and 2021. Okay. Caveat that slightly with, uh, with, with 2020 was down year, but they were averaging 170 points in those four years for the first yeah. half of a season in PPR. Do you know what it was last season? 138. I was 130. going 120 if I had to guess. Yeah, go on. yeah so 138 is the lowest um, half-season points total of the RB. So this is of the RB1. So this is the, the person that's leading the standings. Yep. It's the lowest points total since 2012. 
Okay. Then I look. Then I looked at the mean. Or, so the person playing at the RB six. So the yep. person at the RB six again, typically under a hundred points. Then the RB six was scoring twenty twenty or twenty eighteen one hundred and twenty points. It duplicated exactly the same twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty dropped to one hundred and two. Twenty twenty one. 110 that dropped to 101.9 the mean average so this is like for the all the top 12 the mean average we typically hovered around about 100 uh until okay. 2016 and then it climbed slightly to 105 106 in 2017 then it jumps 124.7 121.3 and it dropped a slight bit to 108 in 2020 again covid year jumps back up last year to uh, 2021 to 114 dropped this year to 104. So it's a 10 point drop. And again, wow. that was the lowest mark, lowest mark since 2015 yep. um, was the RB one. And again, that same trend follows the RB two trend um, typically was under 70 points. Um, then you got the spike around 2018, 74.4, 76, 81, 73 yep. drops again to 70. Um, and then you're looking at mean uh, rush attempts. So the average rush attempts of these players um stays relatively consistent um in terms of the amount of rushes so typically just under 100 so you even during the spike years these running backs were only running like 98 times 94 times 89 in 2021 and 95 but their touches decreased um 123 and then it goes down to 116 111 in 2021 um but my point is as well and then the yardage kind of goes flat. They had the peak years in 2018, 2017, 2019, all above 650. And then it drops to under 600 for the next couple of years. And then it's just basically what all this means is that there's just, there's not, touches have gone down slightly, which means there's less passing attempts. TDs have remained relatively flat, uh, not a huge jump, but it just means that there's there's less exposure. So this yardage that's gone down Um Scrimmage yardage has gone down slightly, but it's touchdown efficiency and big plays have kind of gone down um, and just general catches have gone down. So it's just a, an overall, it's a slight decline over previous years. And it's it's a trend that's been ca- carrying on. 2020, there was a spike in 2021 because it was post-COVID and then back down again. So what yep. we're seeing, but they're not near the 2018, 2019 levels. So our strategy has been based off winning leagues in 2018, 2019, right? That was our strategy. This is how you win a league. You draft these two running backs. And then we kind of wrote off 2020 was the COVID year. Kind of anything went. 2021 was a bit of an increase, but it actually wasn't anywhere near those levels. And then we've seen 2022. Yeah. Now people will have in their head, I'm not drafting a running back in, run, a running back in round one because they get injured. I think it's a bit of a false economy to say it that. Yep. Um, I think we have to look at it from, it's not necessarily injuries even though a lot of the elite talent did get injured, it's actually that these players are not getting those roles. There's not that many uh, difference makers. And if we look at the numbers again, so last year, um, only four players broke the 300-point barrier in PPR. And two of those players, and one of those players is a first-round ADP, which is Josh Jacobs, so he was third. Um, But realistically, there was only two different well there was you had your three tiers here so the first tier is Eckler and McCaffrey Eckler was yep. the RB1 McCaffrey the RB2 they're split by 16 points then you have a 50 48 point drop to Josh Jacobs so between the RB2 and the RB3 is 48 points 
Yep. You were getting Josh Jacobs in the late third, fourth round last year. Yep. Yep. You Derek Sanders, Henry. Yep. <laughs> Derek Henry was a first round pick last year. He returned you 300 points. Then you have a drop to Saquon Barkley. He was a mid second round pick. He, he was at 284. And then you had Nick Chubb, who was an early second round pick. He had 281 okay. last year. And then you have a huge drop, right? Yep. So <clears> those six scored above 250. No one else scored above 250. The RB7. Yep, the RB7 in PPR last year was Ramadre Stevenson, 249.1. Where was he going in drafts? Eighth round, seventh round, sixth round, that yeah. sort of range? Yeah. Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, he was next on the list. Again, RB2. Seventh round. Backfield, that one at the time. Right. Aaron Jones, he was high up, but again, was, didn't yeah. really return. Joe Mixon. And again, people are sitting at injuries. These guys didn't get that injured. Joe Mixon missed two games. Aaron Jones played them all. Tony yeah. Pollard missed week 17. Marjorie Stevenson played them all. Yep. Uh, then you had Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams, Najee Harris, who was a bit of a disappointment last year, Miles Sanders, Alvin Kamara. You know, it was a real it, disappointment. Yeah, but that's what I mean. We 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 now, but now we're in the well, now we're in the dudes phase, right? So yep. when you none of these guys are separating from the previous guys, the dead drafted. zone is. is commonly yeah, but, but we're looking at point differences here. There's not big gaps. So like, okay, what is what I was going to say? So. We've mentioned on here before, winning the draft is about finding positional advantages and points advantages over your competitors, right? Yeah. And I think what we're establishing is, establishing, excuse me, is the differential between 1 and 12 or 5 and 10 is narrowed incredibly. Really so where shrunk. before these guys... Henry Cook, Zeke, Barkley, CMC were kind of the first five names off the board because of positional scarcity and the guarantee of return that they could offer you. It isn't there anymore. It's kind of what you're getting at, right? The fact that <clears throat> if you don't get them, you're as likely to get 110 points from a round three guy as you are 120 points from a back-end round one guy. Right, and that's really key. And that's not how you win drafts and leagues. No. So the RB so the RB seven to the RB twelve, right, mm -hmm. last year, the difference was twenty-four points. Yep. Just under twenty-four points. You average basically that's one point four point a game. Yep. Not a lot. Not enough yep. to make any significant difference. And then when you're talking about the randomness of these finishes, In no a one had Steve that's a four yard catch. Yeah, but if you're looking at Stevenson, <laughs> yeah, exactly, four yard card <laughs> per get per week. But you have, but it's the randomness of it, and this is the problem, right? Is no one's predicting Stevenson, Pollard, Jamal Williams to be top twelve players last year. Nope. No one predicted that. Like no one. So you've got yep. this this element of randomness, and then you've you've ended up spending first round, second round draft capital on Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. And they haven't separated from Ramadre Stevenson. So if you yeah. took Ramadre Stevenson in the seventh round or Tony Pollard in the seventh round, you were better Jamal off. Williams in the 12th, probably. Right. <laughs> you were better. Well, Jamal Williams scored less points than Joe Mixon, but only 15 points less. So less yeah. than a point a week versus what you get for your first round. And, and, and I know what people are going to say, right? So this is like, okay, well, this was last year. So let's, let's look at the year before, right? So the year before, again, I go, I go about difference makers. So, again, there were four difference makers at the position, which was Jonathan Taylor, 2021, 373 points. Yep. Austin Eckler, 343 points. Najee Harris, 300 points. They were the only three to break the 300 barrier, and you had Joe Mixon under them, 
at 287, 288 points, right? Then you get this drop to the RB5 is James Connor, 257. Fournette at 255, Zeke 252, and it'll drop to Kamara 234. But then you got the randomness. Fournette was a bit random. He wasn't really drafted that high. Um, he was like a fourth round pick. James Connor was a late round pick because he was really injured the year before. Yeah, yeah, Cordell Patterson was a random. He was basically a free agent. Josh Jacobs, third, fourth round. I mean, these guys weren't really big. And then, yeah. you know, Nick Chubb, who was a first round pick that year, was just inside. So no, he was the RB thirteen. Was was okay. Nick Chubb? So first round pick RB thirteen. Yes, he missed three games of injury, but then we have you know Damian Harris, Swift, who was a second round pick, Cook, first round pick. You know all these guys weren't really delivering, and they were delivering the same points as Daryl Williams and Devin yeah. Singletree, and these randoms that just you know Melvin Gordon, who was basically free at that point. So my point, you know, even even AJ Dillon, who's a second point, you know, second player in his backfield, you know, he's only scored twenty points less than Dalvin Cook. It's one point three points a week. But again, yeah. we go back to the RB six. So the RB six was two fifty five, and then you're looking at Josh Jacobs two twenty six. That's twenty nine points between the oh no, sorry, RB seven. We're looking at so two fifty two yeah. and two twenty nine and two twenty six uh, is twenty six points. So again, if we're following that trend, that's 1.5 points a game. And again, you mix the randomness of the players in there. So they're not separating from the rest of the pack. So yeah. RB7 to RB12 isn't separating. And that was the whole argument of why we were taking so many running backs, because they were separating from the rest yeah. of the class. We thought having a, a having a solid player was giving you that, that difference maker. And again, even if I go to the RB15, Right, so if I go to the RB fifteen, do I take, you know, Zeke at two fifty two, and I take Swift at two oh eight, forty four points. Yeah, which is a little bit significant, but it's still not yeah, it's huge. It's two only and a half, two and a, less than two, two and, and a half. half points. Yeah, so two and a half points a game, which sounds like a lot, but it, it really isn't. If you think about how many games are actually that close in fantasy football, whereas. At that point, you're thinking quarterback, and we'll get on to quarterback, uh, or, or wide receiver. You know, we look at wide receiver differences. First of all, there's more wide receivers breaking the 300-point barrier than there are yep. uh, running backs. So there's more separated at the position, but it's also more predictable. If you look at the top players at the wide receiver position, Justin Jefferson's no one's shocked he's finished as the wide receiver one. Tyreek Hill, no one's shocked he's finished as the two. Devontae Adams, no one's finished shocked he's finished as the three. Stefan Diggs is the four. CD Lamb is five. You know, you're, AJ Brown is six. All these players were first, second round players. The first, I'm not even going to call him a shock because I don't think he was a big shock, was Amara St. Brown. Okay. Finishing yeah. as the wide receiver, he ended the seven. season well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He end, I don't think he. I don't think he. It's a well, he started the season incredibly. Yeah, he started he ended with twenty points. Yeah, well, and brilliantly. Into this year. I think it was like a fourth round, fifth round pick, wasn't he? Adam Amara St. Brown. Yeah. So he's finished the wide receiver seven. So he, he's outperformed. But Jalen Waddle was going early. Devonta Smith did quite yeah. well. But none of these players, you know, Jamar Chase missed games. He would have been right up there. And you know, the first player on this list I look at is who finished as a wide receiver one, I think is a bit of a surprise. And he's only just in, by the way, as the wide receiver 12. It's Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, I think, is the first player I look at this list and go, yeah, I don't think anyone really pegged him as having a ceiling of a wide receiver one player. 
Maybe no, not based Smith. off of Trevor Lawrence's play the year before. Right. And he squeaks in as the 12. And then Tyler Lockett's there at 13. And then you've got this sort of core of McLaurin, Ayuk, Metcalf, Evans, yeah. who are all kind of all chipping. But the thing is, as well, I'm going down here to Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup is the wide receiver. Well, last year. The wide receiver 23 in PPR last yes, year. Yep. And he still broke, missing half the season, he still broke 200 points. And DJ Moore finished on 199.1. So basically 200 points. So the top 24 players broke the 200-point barrier. That's not what happened in, in the running back position. So there's more people contributing more points. There is a slight tearing off of the wide receivers, um, similar to what you see with the with the, with the the running backs in the sense of there's not huge separation between the wide receiver 7 and wide receiver 12. But the difference is it's the predictability of the play. That's what I was going to so say. So wide, wide receivers are much easier to predict. If you're looking at the ADP of the wide receivers and where they finished, there's not that many shocks on the board. Christian Kirk, there's the odd one here. Yeah. But it's easy to identify who is the wide receiver one on their team, who is going to be the player who's going to carry that play. Wide receivers get injured less than running backs. They're more likely to produce more consistent think, points, and that's what we're seeing. In more consistency, they might not have those huge spike weeks, but you're seeing a lot more consistent play. To sum it up for me, you're more likely to get an RB1 performance from a seventh-round running back than you are yeah. a wide receiver one performance from a seventh-round wide receiver. And that's why you're the host. That's exactly it. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to dispel this myth that you need to take running backs early because unless you're drafting with me and Murph, in which case grab the running backs, leave everyone else last, please. Yeah. Because you're not getting that elite performance. You're not getting that elite trend of game winners because there's not that many left. Yes. If you get the opportunity to take a McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, uh, an Eckler. Absolutely. If you get, and, and, and I can understand the logic of going wide receiver and then getting a Josh Jacobs in round two. That to me makes a lot of sense. Like I, I get like that. I understand that. That makes logical sense to me. If or if a Barkley's there in round two, then you get him. Which I is why I is. think someone like Barkley and Henry might just slip back into the first because if you're drafting and it does go wide receiver heavy, I can see an argument for someone on the 10, 11, 12 turn for taking Henry and Barkley one, two. Yeah, okay. That's why I think those guys will stick around that late first, early second because it's an alternative draft method at that stage. Yeah, and sometimes and, and, back there, you need to do something a little different. Yeah, and, and I could I could subscribe to that argument a little bit. I just think for me, I, I look at Barkley, right? So we look at Barkley's performance last year. So Barkley's performance, everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, Saquon Barkley, injury prone. You know, he played every game except Week 18 because they would already qualify for the playoffs, right? So, um, you know, he played every game. He starts the season really well. So... Yep. 33.4 points, 11.8, 22.6, 18.2, 19.6, 18.5, 17.5, 15.2. Then he hits the buy. 23, great, after the buy. Then he starts getting these single digits. 5.5, 15.2, 19.1's good, 6.8, 23, 27.3, 7.3. So you start to get this really inconsistent performance towards the back end of the season um, where it tanks. So he was on pace to be the RB2. And then... You know, in his last six games, he has three single-digit weeks. Okay. Which, if you compare that to someone like Derek Henry, which is Her- part Derek- of football season in the fantasy world, and you don't need that right there. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, Josh Jacobs was similar, right? So the yeah. biggest mistake, you know, Josh Jacobs was one of the most inconsistent running backs last year. So you, yeah. people will look at him and go, wow, he was the RB3. He was the rushing leader, like unbelievable season. This is Josh Jacobs' season. 8.3, 9.1, 14.7, 30.5, 30.3, yeah. 36.5. So he puts up 100 points in three game weeks. That's After nearly putting a third... up how many in the three weeks before? Uh was it about 30? 22, 30, 32 points. And he beat so he goes, that in week four alone. Yeah. <laughs> he, he over doubled his total in one week. Yeah. So he goes from being 30. Yeah. And then, so he has that big three week spell and then the with the buy in between 7.4, 11.7. Right. So yeah. it goes back to being poor. Then check this out 22.6, 19, 48.3. Do you remember Oof. that week? Yeah. 21, uh, 19.4. And then you're thinking, right, playoff time, baby. Let's go. Trade him. No, trade him. <laughs> 13, 13, yep. 6, and then yep. 19.5, and then 7 in the dead week. So that team that's got Barkley late first, Jacobs coming back in the second, has just made the playoff so comfortably and then battered herself. Whereas, whereas you look at Eckler, right? And Eckler had one <laughs> Eckler had one single-digit game week. And do you know when it was? Yeah. Week 18. Okay. So Steady. yeah, I mean he, he had a thirteen point he had two thirteen point three mm-hmm. weeks. Week one was pretty crap, eleven point two. But everything else was, you know, his next lowest week was fifteen in week fifteen. And then he had a couple of eighteens and everything else was twenty plus. Can I tell you as well, we're we're talking now about tier drop offs, right? And the the elite meet in the mean. That's yeah. what we've seen with wide receivers before that way. We've just seen it now where running backs have distanced themselves and are now coming back to the pack. Uh, yeah. And wide receivers time. We're going to live for another one of these in the next two years. Let's say we're going to live for it like it's the Titanic or something. Yeah. There's no, a position yeah. out there in a player, a player right now, where the positional advantage he offers you is incredible. And in two years' time, you won't have that. And I'm talking about Travis Kelsey. 100%. When Travis Kelsey gives up this game, there is not a tight end you will take in the first five rounds of drafts, let alone the first round of a draft. I couldn't agree more. Tra- Travis Kelsey is a real Travis- stream of what we're saying here. <laughs> I'm now saying that Travis Kelsey is worthy of probably the 106 plus. I've got him in top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think if you if you want you to sit there and take him at the 106, I don't think I could make a I don't think I could make an argument against it because oh. I just think again that positional advantage that he gives you and everyone's chasing that advantage. Everyone's chasing it with Pitts, everyone's chasing it with Andrews, everyone's chasing it with Every other, you know, you know, you got to, you got players in this draft, you know, yeah. um, with Mayer, for example, people are going to chase it. Trey McBride, people have been chasing it for years. It's not there, right? Don't chase, don't chase the tight end position. It's Travis Kelsey or bust for me. For me, I either take Travis Kelsey in round one, or I'm binning the position off until like round ten. It's just yeah. pointless because you can stream, you can stream the tight end position. Like it's not, there isn't enough advantage to having a significant tight. Like the players you can get in round 10, Greg Dulcich, Greg Dulcich is going to be a top eight tight end. Evan Ingram Ingram last year, he was nothing. Getting him in the 13th round, he comes top five. I think he goes higher this year. I think the, I've written about this so many times. The people that take tight ends in rounds four through seven are the people that absolutely tank their drafts because you just waste a pick. It's an absolute waste of a really valuable pick because there is never an elite finish that comes 
Mark uh, Mark Andrews a couple of years ago. Two years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the only player in that range that has delivered a significant result from, and he was the tight end one or two or whatever he was. But he's the only one that's done it. He's the complete outlier. Everyone from there has not delivered a finish that's been worthy of being drafted in that selection. So for me, it's really, really simple. As we've said, you can find an RB one performance in the seventh round from a running back if you hit lucky. You're not going to find a wide receiver one performance in the seventh round. Absolutely, you are certainly not going to find a tight end one performance in the seventh round ever. No, no, no. Well, no, you will find a tight, but not the overall tight end one. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, you'll you'll find a tight end one performance from from undrafted. Oh yeah, of course you will. But but the problem is, is you won't get you won't get elite perform. But then at the same point, you're thinking. So the strategy here with the tight ends is is really simple. If you're not going to get the elite player. Yep. Just go with everybody else, but just pay less. Yep. It's it's basically like going to TK Maxx instead of going to um, the app, like the design. So instead of buying your Nikes from the Nike store, you buy them from TK Maxx. It's the same shoe from a different shop. You're going to just pay a different price for the same product and the, the same, same output. Yep. Yep. That's all it is. That's all you're doing. So don't spend the money. Don't spend the draft capital drafting a tight end who's going to get you 20 more points every season because that's a point a week. It's nothing. It's not. I'll get that from the kicker. Yep. I'll get that from the DST. Like, draft the Patriots. Do you know what you should do? Right. Really simple tip here. And I'm going to blow myself up for doing this. All you need to do every year to make that points difference up is to draft one of the following three tight ty- uh, DSTs. Draft Patriots, the Patriots, Ravens, Patriots, the Ravens, and the Steelers. Seahawks. Oh, I was going to Seahawks. Okay. Right. Draft one of those three DSTs. They'll finish in the top five most years, and you'll make the point difference. You'll make the points per difference. game difference yep. up. You will. And you draft them in. You draft them in the round before the last round. That's all you've got to do to make up the difference in where you're going to lose from the running backs and where you're going to lose from the Tight from ends. the tight ends. Fine. So there's one position we haven't covered on this. And this is a, an outlier almost to the rule, I feel. Uh, and Stacey alluded to it either earlier, sorry. that mm. the late round QB time is, is passing us by. Because again, that was one where you either went early and got the elite or like the tight end position. You punted it. You, you flexed it each week. You, you know, you, you played the waiver wire and picked matchups. But I think the time's coming where the draft picks in the early in drafts are worth the elite QBs here now. Would you agree? Oh, uh, listen, 100%, right? So we need, we need to look at this now that there are some real separators at the position. So what the last, what the late-round QB is, starts with J.J. Zacharyson, and we're going back a decade, right, was that the quarterback position was twofold. One, it wasn't predictable enough to get sustainable performance. Yep. So the QB1 wasn't that easy to predict. And the second thing was the QB1 actually wasn't that important a position. So I'm going back to 2013 data here, right? So um, you had, so this was, so you have Peyton Manning, 410 points, great season, right? Drew Brees was second, 357 points. Third was Cam Newton, 298 points. And literally the points just drop off a cliff here and everyone's bunched up. So you had two separators at the position and everybody else was just like everybody else. So you were drafting Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, round one, round two, and they weren't really doing anything for you at the position. Um, Same goes for, well, you probably wouldn't have taken Cam Newton because he was a rookie that year, but uh, Andrew Luck would have been high up on draft boards. He'd have been first, second round pick ADP. Um, I'm just picking random years now. We go to 2016. 
Um, again, you had Aaron Rodgers, 380 points, differentiator at the position. Okay. Second was Matt Ryan, 347. Drew Brees, 332. Andrew Luck, 307. Kirk Cousins, 300. We go all the way down 286, 279, 270, 270, 268, 268, 260, 259. There's no difference. So the difference between the uh, Andrew Luck and, say, Marcus Mariota was 47 points. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, three points a game at QB, nothing. You're making that up in other positions. But you weren't drafting Marcus Mariota in the first, second, third round. You were drafting him undrafted, probably, or somewhere very, very late. Um, so, you know... Let's look at this year. And and we, I can go back last year and before. Mahomes finishes just as the RB1. Uh, sorry, it's QB1. 428 points. Then you have Josh Allen, 412 points. Then you have Jalen Hurts, 384 points. Joe Burrow, 369 points. First thing is more points. QBs are yep. scoring more. The elite players are scoring more points. The second thing is they're predictable. Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback two. Josh Allen was the quarterback one. They were pretty much equal. They're separated by 16 points. points over 16 <laughs> points, 16 points over the season. You're not Probably. unhappy having yeah. yeah, they were drafted seven, eight spots apart in, in ADP. You weren't unhappy having either one of those as your quarterback last year. Um Jalen Hurts, you would have got in the sixth round, I think, last year, fifth, sixth round. And don't forget, he missed two games as well. So he actually probably would have finished the QB one last year had he not um, been missing in 16 and 17. So in fact, Josh Allen was injured in week 17 as well. So he missed time. So any one of those three really could have been the, the QB one. They're, yeah, they're all apart. Yeah. Average, average points per week, 25.2, 24.2, 25.6. Hertz had the biggest. Then you see a little drop here to Burrow and then Justin Fields, who were over 20 points a week. And then... Then you've got some real outliers. And what was weird at the position was we got more injuries at QB than we have ever before. Um, You know, Lamar Jackson missed the end of the season. He was averaging 20 points a game before he went down. So he would have been in that elite tier. He would have been around about the 350, 360 points um, had he played all those games, if you factored that out. Um, So, you know, you you had a couple of players down there that, that, you know, Dak Prescott, he missed five games. He was averaging 18 points, um, but he, well, what brings his average down as well is he got injured in the first week and then he got injured in the last week. Um, so really he missed, or he was sat out because of playoffs. So he really missed six games. He'd have yeah. averaged around 20, close to that. He'd have been in that elite tier, but these were all predictable. None of these names are shocks. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, no. Burrow, Fields. A little bit, but not too much. Um, Herbert had a down year. We'd expect him to bounce back. Uh, he only averaged 17. I'd expect him to be closer to 20, um, 20 points per game than Lamar Jackson. Where's Daniel Jones quickly on that list? Because he would be the one for me now that was the late round flyer that joined that pack. Yeah, so him and Lawrence. Him, him and Lawrence are the two here, right? And they, they're separated by... Lawrence finished ahead of him because Lawrence played in... Um, yeah. Lawrence played in Week 18, whereas Daniel Jones didn't. So Daniel Jones... Otherwise, yeah. Daniel Jones had the better average, right? So for all intents and purposes, Daniel Jones finished above Trevor Lawrence, although that's not how the stats read. Um, but they both finished around about the 300-point mark. Um, okay. Lawrence broke it. Jones missed it because he didn't play in Week 18. Yeah. So, you know, around about 300 points. Um, so averaging around about 18, just over 18 points a game. Uh, along with Kirk Cousins, he was 18 points a game as well. So those three um, bringing around 18 points a game, 300 points a season. 
uh, it's bringing you a nice and and those three you know the good thing about them is if you miss out on those sort of top uh, five players so Mahomes Allen Hurts Burrow and Jackson. Um, and Jackson right then you have to look at you know paying up for someone like Herbert who had a down year or Dak with his interceptions or Fields does Fields give you a significant advantage. I mean, he did average 20 points. He did miss two games. So maybe he does. But the point is, is he going to be consistent enough to deliver you that? Or are you better off holding off and taking someone like Jones, like Lawrence, like Cousins, who you're going to get in that that late round? Jared Goff's not far from that conversation. Um, He had that sort of stinker round about the bye, which really hurt him. Um, But other than that, once he got over that, he had some good weeks uh, after that. So, again, he's averaging 17 points. But if you look at that Lawrence, Cousins, and and Jones tier, they're all kind of equal for me in terms of their average points per game and output. That 300 points, they're not that far off off fields. And they're not that far off the production of, you know, they're better and they did better than Herbert. So is Herbert in the fifth round, if he's that ADP? much better than taking someone like Jones Lawrence and Cousins in the 8th, ninth, 10th round. So I think what, you, what you're seeing here is, first of all, the death of the late round QB. You have to get a QB early. I think you've got a group of five players that I'd be taking. Um, you know, For me, I could make the case of Allen being an early second round pick. I can even see the argument of taking him in the first round in a Dynasty 1 QB. In fact, I did that in a Dynasty 1 QB. Um, I, took, I took Allen because I just think Allen's going to give you 10 years at the position. Yeah. Or eight Injury years at the or eight years, yeah. Of, yeah. But he's going to give you eight years at the position where you can yeah. just lock in, and you just don't have you don't have to worry about QB. Then it's done. Oh. <laughs> you're done. Yeah, you're happy for the next however many years. You don't, you can kick that problem away. Yeah. So then all of a sudden your rookie draft strategy becomes so much easier because you don't have to worry about QB. Why does he run about? Why does he run about? Why does he run about and hit the jackpot? And I think there's a value to taking him in the first round in a one QB dynasty, but that's a, that's for your show, not for mine. But my, my point is, I think I could make that case quite easily, and I've done it. But you take those players, and I think you can take for me Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow in the second, third, fourth round, wherever you get them, and I think they they will hold that value because they're difference makers at the position far more than what you're going to get at running back or wide receiver at the position. And that's where you have to think about your roster construction. We're going to do lots of episodes on roster construction, how you build a good team, how you build the right team. In the book, I did about perfect round by draft, where you're finding the right values of players, looking at historical points, finishes, and points totals from players drafted in that position. You get this picture over time of where the right players are, but where the trends are going. So the, the thing with the perfect draft in the book is it's good to see the overall, but it's actually good to see the recent trends as well. And follow it over the last two, three years. Don't trace a one-year trend. Trace a two-year, three-year trend because yep. that's the route. That's the direction of travel. That's the way we're going. So I think when you do that <laughs> and you get this picture over time, you start to see very clearly. And this is where it proves the tight end theory all along. It, tight ends are it's a pointless position. Scoring is not like this is why there's a tight end premium because the scoring is just so naff. Yep. Yep. Uh, where Travis is effectively a wide receiver. Yeah. Go the exactly same that. way as kickers. Yeah, you have to do something to make the, the position interesting. Um, and I think, you know, with, with quarterbacks, it's just fascinating that we've gone from this trend and then we're getting more good quarterbacks into the league. So there's more and more. It's, yeah. it's becoming a passing league. You've got to think about the rule changes. You know, they're doing everything they can to give the quarterbacks time to make plays because that's what yeah. sells tickets. Protects them in the pocket, yeah. It protects them in the pocket. We've got the, you know, roughing the passer. All yep. these new penalties that are coming in that are penalising the defence as much as possible 
so that the quarterbacks can make plays. It's a passing and offense. And they're that valuable to organizations now that teams are protecting them. They don't want Josh Allen getting hit on a second and five when they can run somebody else and keep him for the goal line. It's all it hurts. Look at the, the rugby scum approach with Hurts. Yes, that was a quarterback sneak where ordinarily you'd see Brady go low and 20 people pile on top of him. He was a master at it. But yeah. that was a quarterback sneak designed to protect Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Everybody went in around him, shadowed him, covered him, and just eked him over the line. Um, and, and I think that that's the, you know, you've got to look at the way that the game is changing. And then we're, we're going back to separators at the position, right? So you, you're getting a quarterback who gets 20 points a game. Not that many quarterbacks are getting 20 points a game. Or you're drafted Dalvin Cook in the first round who's getting 14 points a game. Like, yep. Dalvin Cook only finished as high as he finished because he did something he's never done before and played every game in a season. He yep. broke the record of actually managing to play <laughs> every game in a season. Because it was the whole reason I would never draft Dalvin Cook. It was like, well, he yep. goes missing he in the it. playoffs. That's why you picked Zeke. We said this last season. We picked yeah. Zeke over him. Because he always goes missing in the playoffs. And actually, t- week 15, he had a fantastic week and then he went missing in the playoffs, 10.7, 6.4. But regardless, you know, we're looking at 14-point average is what he achieved. I mean, 14-point average. Najee Harris, 13.1. You were drafting him in the first round last year. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, you were drafting him in the second round, 14.1-point average. And then you're drafting, you know, you're getting players like Kenneth Walker, who was going in the eighth round, seventh round, 13.5 points per game. Jarek McKinnon, who was basically free who did nothing for the first half of the season. He still averaged <laughs> 11.5, and he did nothing in the first half. His best his best points total until week nine was 9.6. Yeah. Like, he did nothing. And then you draft John J. Swift, seventh round, or second round, 13.7. Zeke Elliott, yeah. fourth round, 12.4. And then, you know, all these players just doing absolutely nothing. Damian Pierce got 12.8, and he didn't play the last four games. Yeah. You know, these sorts of players who just didn't do yeah this is this is my point is you you just have these difference makers and they're just they're they're not there at the running back position you've got genuinely four uh you could throw henry in there barkley maybe four or five guys but even then i don't think i'm paying up for henry or barkley but you've got four or five guys who are difference makers (laughs) in the position and maybe you want to be kind and throw chubb in there i'm not so sure maybe gets better with but his age is starting to be a concern. Yeah. And then everyone else is a bit meh. So don't pay up for the Mixons and the Cooks and the Kamaras of this world. Just just go and try and hit the late round guys. You're better off taking four or five guys and then going from there. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that pretty much covers it up. But they, they, look, it's just some interesting theories. I thought it'd be good to it was good. Yeah. look at See these trends in 2022 yep. and, and put some context. And also, if you disagree, love to hear it. Love to oh, see yes. the love to see the strategy where you you know you, you're thinking differently maybe you see something i don't see that's very possible in fact probable um <laughs> get get in touch you know and, and make your case because i'd love to hear it but for me i just look at the data and i look at what i see and you know this book this year is going to be completely almost different compared to the first one because it's yeah. almost going to turn it on its head but then that's the evolution of fantasy football if yeah. you don't evolve your strategy and you play the same way you're going to have good years, you're going to have bad years, but you're not going to be consistently good because you're chasing the wrong players and the wrong stars. Yep. Whereas by evolving your strategy, and I've evolved my strategy, and I evolve every single year, become a better player, go deeper in big tournaments, you go you know, you know, go a long way to winning prizes and money and whatever it is that you... you bragging rights. <laughs> bragging yep. rights, um, whatever it is, right? So, yeah, 
I love love chatting this sort of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that I love and Me and, too. Yep. and breaking down strategy and looking at trends and the book's going to have a load of it. Hopefully it'll be out by June uh, 1st. That's the <laughs> goal. Um, but yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I think we end it there because we promised that I think we delivered a lot more. Than we <clears throat> you got well, yeah, we well. started out with a lot, of, a lot to add on, didn't we? So it's taken yeah. us a little bit over runtime, but um, I have to say I love that sort of stuff as well. And, Hey, you get stocks back, the master of strategy to talk with as well. Um, yeah. I'm going to be joined by Hannah, who, if anyone knows Hannah, Hannah loves looking outside the box and thinking strategy as well. So long-term dynasty and, and Hannah and myself should be should be some really good fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to... Um... Yeah, looking forward to hearing what you guys come up with and what you do going forward. And, and you know, you've got my support, stock support, and everyone's yep. support here to, to, to take off. And uh, yeah, exciting times ahead for the new frontier. Uh, if you've tuned in and enjoyed, and this is your first show, second show, thanks very much for tuning in. Really appreciate yep. the support. I hope you're back next week. I will have uh, someone with me. Don't know who yet, <laughs> but it'll be exciting. In fact, you know what? If you've got a request, um, <laughs> Stick it to me on Twitter. Uh, maybe tag them in as well. Uh, yeah, if you've got yeah. a request, uh, tag them in, tag me in, and I'll say, hey, look, you're in demand, and uh, I'll grab you. But if not, I promise you I'll get someone uh, someone worthy of the discussion. My Twitter handle's here. Dan's Twitter handle's there, <laughs> so make sure you punk Dan and get him back on. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting <laughs> times ahead. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Dan. Thanks, Murph. Do you know, I'm going to let seat. you do the sign-off, my man, because it's your last one. you got to do the sign-off this week. Yeah, Murph, actually, thanks for the seat. Uh, it's been awesome. Stocks, it's, it's the only person I could hand it back, back to is, is Stocks. Can't wait to see where you guys fight with again. Um, I'm excited what's to come. Join me next Tuesday from 8 on the 5 Yard Dynasty Show. Murph's back sometime next week with somebody. And until then, keep rushing. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.